June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration needed for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything, from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or two million, Atlassian software is built to help keep you connected and moving together as one. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S., and each week we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and again, we're continuing our conversation about UMGC and their Military Veteran Entrepreneur and Appreciation Fair going down on April 28th. And uh, I've had a chance to talk to a lot of people uh, over the course of these last few podcast episodes about jobs, about ways to get jobs, ways to found your own company, um, ways to educate yourself on all manner of things, uh, ways to get into tech. And one thing we've kind of left out are our government jobs. And mainly there's a labyrinth of business to business connections and ways that people can work with in and around procuring government contracts and doing the work that is so behind the scenes. Most of us don't even know how it happens. We just see an organization. We know there's an office there for something or something we need in our community. And we just take for granted how the money gets there or how the services, how they got take, you know, how the money comes down from the federal government. That is a huge career field. 
And I speak to my Mid-Atlantic brothers and sisters out there, uh, D.C., Baltimore, New Jersey, New York, Philly. If you're in and around a lot of those areas, Northern Virginia, uh, you know what I'm talking about. There are just immense amounts of employment opportunities working in and around the federal government, sometimes working directly for the government. And in our next case, uh, people that work kind of side by side with the government to help that contracting process happen. And there's money to be made, my veteran friends. So with that, let's say hello to a proud Marine Corps veteran, Lori Sales. Lori, how are you? Hi, how are you? So grateful to be here with you, Philip. I'm telling you, this is such a joy and a treat to have UGMC, University of Maryland Global Campus, UMGC, do what they do when it comes to us veterans. And I so appreciate that. Yeah, right on. Uh, you're an interesting study as I was looking at all these businesses that I spoke about in the lead in. Um, I haven't ever really dove deep into the kind of things that you work with and mainly contract procurement and, and, and doing things like that. Before we get into the kinds of jobs and the kind of career that you forged, let's first rewind and talk a little bit before you were big time CEO, civility management solutions. Um, uh, you were just a gal looking for a break, heading, uh, you know, to the golden footprints, going to become a Marine. Talk to me about okay. how your journey started. Well, my journey started, actually, I'm born and raised out of Chicago. I modeled professionally during high school, so I was always accustomed to making my own money. I always had some type of job, some type of hustle, as we call it, uh, very <laughs> entrepreneurial. Uh, and yet, at the same time, the city of Chicago was swallowing me up. So I decided I was going to make a change, and I said I was going to join the military. And the Navy was actually uh, was the influence because I was uh, living in Chicago, and as you know, you all have a boot camp nearby, and I would watch the guys come into the city with their white hats on, getting ready for graduation. And we became friends. I mean, I became friends with many. We became pen pals and things like that. But when I came uh, to the realization that I really wanted to do this, I ended up talking to a guy that... I knew that knew me for many, many years that was in the Marine Corps. And I didn't even know women were in the Marine Corps. So that was like a wow. I was like, they got women in the Marine Corps? He says, yes. So I actually joined the Marine Corps, never seeing a woman Marine, never seeing anything about a woman Marine, and, and got in there and just so loved it. It was good for me. It was an easy transition growing up in Chicago, uh, uh, dealing with uh, having a father and two brothers in my home. Uh, so I can, I was able to manage. I'm not intimidated by men. So if I had that problem, that would have not been good because, you know, Marine Corps is dominated by males uh, for the most part of all the branches. And so I went through that journey, came out to the civilian world and just tried to find my way, starting off as a receptionist because I wanted to come out of a uniform. I wanted to be in corporate America. And so receptionist, admin assistant, an executive assistant, uh, uh, operations uh, manager, was really the plight I took. And then I landed a job as a project manager, which I had no idea what that was. And that was my entry point into government. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? I mean, they got me on a contract. I'm inside of a federal government building. I thought everybody that worked inside of federal government were federal government employees. And that was my rude awakening of what this was. And I started evaluating it because I had a hustle all the time. I always had supplemental income. But, you know, it's just supplemental income. So I got a revelation. I'm like, this is the wealth transfer right here. They like the fact that I'm a woman, woman-owned small business. They like the fact that I'm minority for the 8A program. They like the fact that I'm a veteran, service-disabled veterans. I'm like, 
ooh, this really looked better and better and better. So I began to, you know, take the course of learning more about what government contracting was as far as a owner in the entrepreneurial thought process and got involved with the Procurement Technical Assistance Center and I was on my way. And after that, I got me an SBA score mentor and we set some things up and I've been churning ever since uh, 2012. Looking back at the Marine Corps days, can I ask, what was your MOS? Because it sounds to me like you did have some administrative ability and organizational ability. So either you were the smartest 11 Bravo I've ever met or, uh, no, <laughs> you know, I love my, you know, I love my infantry people. Come on, stop it. No, but what was your background? When I started, those women were, we were not, we were women Marines. We were not even allowed to touch those categories of work. But I was 0411, which was a maintenance management clerk which uh, basically my job was to oversee how much equipment that would include, you know, M16s, tents, trucks, um, forklifts, radios, the whole nine, anything and all things that equate to actually being in war. Uh, we were to, My office oversaw the readiness of the battalion at any given time. You know, Marines are great to go do what they do, but if they're not equipped to do what they do, then... It's, they're wasteless, right? So we wanted to always be 98% ready at all times. And my job was walking around, barking at people in some cases about why is this truck down? You know, a lot of times the nomenclature was about that big, right? It's a little tiny pen. And I'm looking at this huge machine. I'm going, it's a tiny pen, a tiny pen. But yeah, that's why the machine wasn't working. And uh, we would uh, have to wait on the supplies to come in and and so it was a good job. I enjoyed that job uh, in the Marine Corps. And of course, it did allow me to work in an office environment. Uh, so I got familiar with using the green machine, which was a huge computer that sat across your entire desk in comparison to what we have today, right? Things are in your hand. <laughs> things have changed. Yeah, no doubt. I want all veterans to hear this that have had that admin logistics background. Um that's heavy stuff. And when you take away military jargon, when you take away all of the acronyms and all the stuff, I say it's yes. heavy because like that's powerful. Those are powerful skill sets, managing and organizing and making sure that cities yes. can be built. I mean, think about all the stuff that it took to even run Bagram in Afghanistan. Yes. You've got everything from bathrooms and showers to kitchens and cooks. And then you've got the hardware of the military. You're basically moving a mechanized city every yes. time one of those groups goes out or needs to set up shop on a new fob and, and all that has to be supplied. And I think that a lot of veterans overlook the applicability of those skills to the civilian world. And that's kind of where I want to go next with this is tell me like, when, when did you discover that like knowing how to manage logistics for thousands of parts and hundreds and thousands of machines and personnel, when did you realize that like, wait a minute, the government is paying people to manage this process and you can make a handsome income doing that. When did that light bulb go off for you? It, it, well, because I was always an entrepreneur, even before the Marine Corps ever got their hands on me, getting over into the government contracting space, it, it was just an eye-opening in, in itself because I realized basically these are small businesses that exist that are staffing up positions within the federal government doing anything from logistics to admin to IT. So it was more of just a revelation of I can do this because I have leadership skills, because I am a great manager, because I don't know how to fail. I'm always focusing on winning, uh, because I have great resilience, because I have discipline. 
I mean, these were things that just all kind of came in together that we all receive when we serve, no matter pretty much what branch you served in. These are things that you get at, the, at, at its root. And so bringing all those things to the forefront and applying now what we also do very well in the military is we train. You know, we, we, we train. That's how come we are considered numero uno in the world, right? Because we train up. And so I know I had to apply now the training that was necessary in order to understand the industry that I was interested in entering. And let's be honest, also as veterans, we're very familiar with following a process and a procedure and regulations. So, you know, if you give me the playbook, I can, I can roll with that all day, every day. You know what I'm saying? Because the government has rules and regulations about how things have to be done. You don't get to just walk in there and say, I don't think that the computers should look like they are looking. I think they should be pink. You, you don't get to just go in the, in the government and make those kinds of This is how we do things. And you just need to fall in place, which is, a, which is exactly what we got from whatever branch of the military we served in. This is how we do things. And you fit in that. And then you make it happen. Mm. Now, not everybody has the leadership skills that you've presented, which got you to uh, basically found uh, the company. Again, we're talking about your company, yes. Civility Management Solutions. Um, I don't know where I want to go next, whether I want to get into the specifics of what you do there or let's start with this just to kind of put it in context. Give me one project that you've brought home or uh, done from beginning to end that that one you're kind of proud of and two that c- kind of shows what exactly civility management solutions does? I hear government procurement. I hear that you talked, you said earlier, wealth transfer or money transfer. I mean, you, yes. you know, anytime money's changing hands, it's nice to be part of that equation because you get, <laughs> you get, they get some money, you got some money, he gets some money. I mean, <laughs> I see how it yes. works, but yet it's kind of abstract to me to go, wait a minute, w- w- government procurement. Give me an example of uh, like a real life project you worked on. Okay. Well, the very first project we had an opportunity to work on, which was, Pretty testy, but yet we did it as a very young company uh, because one of the agencies we were working for, they had a, a lawsuit from the union. And it was on regard of all the individuals of the union that worked inside of that agency. They were not receiving the increase of the travel stipend. You know, every year it goes up. Well, for whatever the reason, this agency was not doing it. So here it is. They were still getting, you know, you know, $25 and they should have been up to $45. So our company actually went in and did an assessment and an analysis. Uh, we brought in a, a PMP level individual as, as well as some other individuals that were good in the budget analysts, uh, uh, fiscal uh, responsibilities to, to determine how much money each employee of this particular uh, component of the agency was owed, which was a big deal because some people that were going to and from work, not just on a train and on a bus, but they were going to work also, you know, on boats because they had to travel across waters like Staten Island area. And so that was kind of an amazing experience because we had like four people on that team. But it was around Christmas that we finalized uh, all the, the dollars for each individual and everybody got this wonderful Christmas bonus, even though we weren't contacted and thanked because we were the contractor brought in by the federal government agency. But I'm sure the individuals in that federal government agency was quite pleased with the, the agency as a whole that year for these bonuses. That was one of the very first opportunities we had where it was a $2 million contract and we were able to get some footing and some infrastructure to move forward and continue to grow. 
Wow. And if I can ask, what category was the end line work uh, that these workers were doing? Were they building a ship? Were they building a helicopter? This is uh, a program management, basically, because there was a program that needed to happen, you know, which is, you know, it had a beginning and an end date. And we were there to manage that program and ensure success. Of it. Mm. In other words, that we do that I would like to just share real quick that I really enjoy that we do because it's grown. I have a subject matter expert in conference logistics. And a lot of people think about events and just big old conferences. Well, you know, in the federal government, you know, there's major discussions that are taking place on how to create policy. And so congressionally mandated also another contract for us is one is grandparents raising grandchildren. You know, Congress is interested in producing a policy on behalf of grandparents that are needing to do that in this country. And we're actually um, the contractor that is facilitating all of the meetings, the stakeholder meetings, from the secretary down to the individuals that are either grandparents themselves or the subject matter experts of that particular area of expertise and pulling everything together. And we've submitted our first draft uh, over to uh, Congress for them to review uh, to implement a policy for the land. And I, I enjoy, of course, being a part of that because we're making a difference in people's lives. Wow. And I guess as a kid that grew up outside D.C., I, I, I do take for granted how some of those discussions happen. You know, you think it all happens under the Capitol Dome or, in you know, the Hart Senate office building or something. But no, I mean, like when they're determining how much money to, say, give for uh, the earned income child tax credit or something, they had to meet with industry experts and childcare yes. experts and yes. tax experts. And then they yes. had to have all these experts meet with all these elected officials. And that couldn't all happen. I would imagine in Washington, DC. So sometimes you're booking conference centers or you're booking other places. Many times these elected officials have to travel. I'm assuming to like several other States to yes. hear from each panel of subject matter experts. So when they finally get down to figuring out how much money or how much tax credit the citizen taxpayer will get Yes. They had a full discussion with people that actually know, and it's not just lobbyists and lawyers and uh, cheeky, sneaky people in, you know, fancy suits and they're <laughs> making decisions at Old Ebbett Grill, this fancy ass restaurant in DC. That's um, good. That's good. That's so that's, good. And we just got renewed for another three years. So, you know, even though we've done a lot of work to get where we are, there's still much work still to be done. Because once it's actually even mandated, now, you know, Health and Human Services has to do some implementation in-house, and we'll be a part of that as well. So, yeah, that's, it's a great journey, and you're right. It's a lot going on. Even with the fact that we had COVID, we did not lose that contract because the work still needs to be done because it was congressionally mandated. So we, the Zoom, the, the webinar, and the WebEx, all of that became live for us. And because we had a subject matter expert on board, she immediately pivoted and just made the adjustment to say, okay, Everything's going to be done online. When you start getting into this conference space, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but does it begin with an issue that you're passionate about, like in this case, grandparents raising children's, or does it start with, I know a subject matter expert in this, and that organization is really trying to get some traction in D.C. to get this wrong fixed or to get this problem solved, or does it begin the other way around? The government saying, we're trying to do all these things and we don't know how the heck to do it. Can you help us find subject matter experts on fracking or on whatever the topic is that they want to legislate on? Yeah, it's more of the latter. It's more of the latter. And as a small business owner, you have to make a decision. You know, pick, like I say, two to three federal government agencies that you're interested in, in the work that they do. 
right? And learn their mission and what their goals are. And health and human services is, is one. I love Department of Homeland Security, specifically Customer Borders Protection. I also have much love for them just because of what their jobs are, right? I, I enjoy the fact that HHS is focusing on the people, the social part of the people. You know, as an African-American woman, I do have an interest in that. And then on the CBP side of the house, you know, hey, you know, I was a Marine. So now this is not about going across the world to protect everybody. This is about protecting us custom borders here in our own country. So I have a, a concern and a, and a passion for what they do. So that's the basis of it. And once you find those agencies, then you go digging into the weeds to find out, do they buy what I sell? And in my case, you know, I'm selling in the, in the term of using staffing that I can find. I, the Air Force can call me. We also work with the Air Force and say, you know, they need somebody to fly these F-15 planes. Don't think I'm not going to go out and find however many pilots they need <laughs> to fly those planes, because that's, that's my job is to make sure I find the best talent to meet the need of whatever contract opportunity the federal government has placed before me and or that I'm seeking to obtain. So some of our growth has come from doing good work here, doing good work here, and doing good work here makes the phone ring to say, can you come help us? Wow. I just, you know, my mind reels because, again, while some of this could be kind of inside baseball, some of this could be really technical speak, some of this could be almost, you know, borderline dry. I mean, I ain't going to lie, right? I mean, it, it is policy. It is procedures. It is it is finding a way for government initiatives to be executed. That right there was too many syllables for some folk in a <laughs> sentence. But what I do think is amazing is you started with just knowing the rudimentary things that like a E6, a E7, a you know, senior enlisted, like lower division officer, you started just knowing how to staff up and keep MRAPs on the road, to keep yes. weapons firing, to keep bullets, to keep maintenance, to keep yes. the 240s, to keep the 50 cals running. Like you were just doing the logistical maintenance, the 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 supply side side of the military, and that took you all the way to now managing four million dollar or multi-million dollar contracts um tip of the cap to you there Lori. that is awesome thank you thank you very much sir and you know i'm so glad you pulled that part out because you know as veterans you know if you want or have any interest in entrepreneurship you have definitely received the basic skills to pull it off right on <laughs> spoken like a true devil dog i like yes, it like semper fi <laughs> All right. Um, last question I guess I have would be if I'm a veteran looking for work in this space, we've talked so much about government procurement. We've talked about these uh, management companies and these things that may, uh, these groups that manage these large projects. But then I think about my Google search like, well, I'd like to work for one of these jobs. I'd like to find a company where I could maybe get a veteran mentor that's doing this kind of work. And, and again, working with the money exchange and helping manage these critical yes. programs. But then I think. Well, if it's me, then I just Google government jobs and I'd start looking at, you know, do I want to be a GS7, 8, 9, 11? And, and you're talking about a kind of an area adjacent to those jobs. What right. Google terms or what terms am I putting in my Googler there and searching for? Am I looking for government contractors? Give me some keywords I can search to help find companies like yours and, and, and maybe as a veteran in another place, get into this workspace. I mean, and thank God for Internet and Google. When I got out, <laughs> that did not exist. You had the newspaper. You pick up the phone and you look for a job the good old-fashioned way. 
But I can tell you now, thanks to the internet and, and Google, we have, you know, a great joy of that. A lot of them can actually Google whatever the, not the numbers, not the 0411, but maintenance management clerk. I could have Googled that today and probably would have found some job opportunities that had those keywords in there because that was my job. And then you can get into the specifics of just break down of the bullet points of what was I doing every day? You know, uh, 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 data analysis, repairing, uh, uh, like when I think about some of the things I had to repair. I mean, just simple words, but you just kind of, you know, I think it's booling operators is what they're called that I learned at the <laughs> University of Maryland um, when I was a student there that you use those Boolean operators to in order to just put in different keywords and then see what actually pulls forward based on whatever your expertise was when you were actually serving and be shocked at what you might see. And, you know, as far as looking specifically for government contract opportunities, Indeed tends to be one, you know, job search location where a lot of jobs that put you in the government as a contractor. Mm. Right on. Okay, so Indeed is a good search engine to find things, uh, keywords like procurement, government contracting, and then even including some words and some descriptors from your own MOS are things that we could type in and find out who's supporting those programs. And I've taken from your story also, if it's a passion of yours, if it's an interest, if it's a government program that's helping uh, young women, uh, literacy, hunger, um, uh, housing. I mean, if those are things you're interested in, search contractors that yes. work within those verticals of the government, and you may be able to find companies similar to yours that are looking to help implement those government programs to help people. That That's could actually good. be a great way to plug in. So a, a lot of information here. Very cool. If somebody wanted to reach out to you too and just and get their story, tell me more about how to reach civility management solutions. Well, it is Civility Management Solutions, but it's Civility MS, uh, and that is our website, civilityms.com. And amazingly, so many people don't know how to spell civility. I am not going to do it for these veterans. They better figure that out. (laughs) Because I'm like, hey, you know, civility is practicing uh, being responsible, practicing, you know, restraint from your your mouth. You know what I mean? Uh, So, yes, civilityms.com. I love it. I love it. And a spelling lesson to boot. Y'all going to have to look that up yourself. But uh, very cool. All right. Founder of Civility Management Solutions and Marine through and through Lori Sales. An absolute pleasure getting to know you. Thank you so much for joining us on CBSI and Veterans. Thank you so much for having me. So you're always on the go. Now you can take the CBS Mornings with you. And we want to go wake up to your daily dose of news and interviews on the CBS Mornings On The Go podcast. Listen to CBS Mornings On The Go ad-free on Wondery Plus. Hey, everybody. John Stewart here. I am here to tell you about my new podcast, The Weekly Show. It's going to be coming out every Thursday. So exciting. You'll, you'll be saying to yourself, T-G-I-T. Thank God it's Thursday. We're going to be talking about all the things that hopefully obsess you in the same way that they obsess me. The election, economics, earnings calls. What are they talking about on these earnings calls? We're going to be talking about ingredient to bread ratio on sandwiches. And I know that I listed that fourth 
but in importance, it's probably second. I know you have a lot of options as far as podcasts go, but how many of them come out on Thursday? I mean, talk about innovative. Listen to The Weekly Show with Jon Stewart wherever you get your podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.